Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Uh, Sterling was gracious enough to hop on the pod with me very quickly as I've had uh, somebody cancel on me twice now, um, which I texted him, I don't know, Tuesday afternoon, and I said, I uh, need somebody really bad. It's kind of coming up on a holiday weekend, and I was really scrambling to find someone that could be there on a short notice, and um, I think we made the right choice today with, uh, he broke, he, Sterling was actually on the pod um Probably going on two years ago. I know we did a Cosider recap. We were supposed to do another one, but life got, you know, life got um, kind of in the way of doing that, which is fine. I mean, you can't control some stuff, which is completely normal. But uh, we finally were able to have him on. I was kind of hoping to have him on once he got a little bit further into his tenure with the Dallas Wings. But uh, nonetheless, Sterling has been kind of all over the place a little bit. He'll he'll talk with you guys about it. He's been... uh, Living, he grew up in LA, moved to Michigan, came back to BYU, went to BYU, and then interned around at a lot of pro sports teams such as the Redskins, the Hornets, um, things like that before landing at Southern Miss, where a lot of you may know him from. Uh, very active on the Twitterverse as far as all the chats go with the YP Sports chat and the side of chat. That's how I kind of got to know him. I think he DM'd me one time and said that he really enjoyed it. Um, and then I finally met with him at Coastside down in Orlando two years ago. Um, and I really liked him, had him on, and uh, been friends ever since. Uh, we'll also go through about what it kind of was like. Um, if any of you don't know, Sterling is a father of two boys, uh, one of whom I share a birthday with, and we'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll talk about what it was like kind of in the beginning, early on in his career, while also balancing being a father. Uh, the changes he's made since then. We talk a little bit about some some of the stuff with like uh, dedicating to something, dedicating to like uh, a physical activity. Uh, Sterling just got done running the Walt Disney Half Marathon, I believe is what it was. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is a really good one, guys. We broke the uh, record for longest episode, so if you need to take your sweet time with this, please do. Uh, be sure to get out your notebooks, take some notes on this one, because this one's really fun. Uh, part of my voice through this and through right now, I think I've got something a little bit more going on uh, as far as maybe some illness is concerned. A couple things have happened since the last episode to where I'm kind of like, Okay, I should probably get this checked out. If it persists through the weekend, uh, I'm going to get it looked at. But for right now, uh, we're going to keep keep plugging away because that's that's all we can do. Also, be sure to check out some of our um, Huddle posts. And, and I say that because I will be posting on Huddle for the first time uh, starting on Tuesday. And then you can go do that by sidcast.fireside.fm slash articles. 
Uh, you'll be able to find all our blog posts from Eric Rue, Andrew Menman, Dana Campbell, and Caleb Garner. Uh, they do a great job, and I, I, I kind of look forward to the beginning of the week every week because that means that they send me their stuff, and I actually get to read it, and I get to their inside of their life and their struggles and their triumphs and everything like that. So um, they're getting really good, and we're super happy to keep moving forward with this. I'd like to do something a little bit more different to kind of publicize that, but uh, as of right now, um, Ed, that's just kind of the bare bones of it as we're figuring this thing out as we go along. But anyway, guys, uh, today we will start off episode number 117 of SID Cast uh, with Sterling Randall of the Dallas Wings, which is a WNBA franchise for those of you that don't know. And we'll talk, we'll just kind of jump right into it today and see how he feels about actually being able to say WNBA in his title right here on SID Cast. Sterling Randall, and I am the director of communications with the Dallas Wings of the WNBA. Nice. How how good does it feel to actually say that? Uh, it does. It, it feels really good, um, but uh, at other times, it's just like I feel. It's like who did I convince to let me be the director of communications <laughs> for a professional sports organization? That's right. Um, but uh, no, I. I I know what I'm doing at my job. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I can. I, I mean, obviously, or else you wouldn't be part of a professional sport organization. But um, you're a big. I know you're a big like women's basketball guy. So yeah. I think I've had. I had you on. We're going on two years ago. Yeah, that was a really. Long yeah, time ago. we're going on two years ago. Um, I think I asked you this once before, but we've had a completely different audience since then. So like. Explain kind of, I know you always wanted to get into women's basketball, even when you were at the collegiate realm, so why is that, and how did you get hooked on it? Um, I don't know, I just kind of like dumb lucked into it, I guess. Um, I first started working in basketball when I interned for the Charlotte Hornets back in 2015, yeah, the 2015-2016 season. Um... And then when I, and I was still an undergrad, and then when I finished my undergrad, I um, got to be a uh, graduate assistant at Southern Miss, and because Mm -hmm. I had basketball experience, and I had worked in, uh, you know, for some other professional teams, they decided to give me women's basketball. Um, And I don't know, I just fell into it. Um, It's kind of a different, I don't want to call it a niche, but... Um, the people that are, and, and I'm definitely not at the level that some of these other people are that work in women's basketball. Um, but it's definitely, uh, a, like a, just like a different world as, as, as every sport is, you know, once you like really, really, really get into it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I really like the people. I think the people in women's basketball, and again, I think you could say the same thing about every other sport. Um, the people are just fantastic, um, whether they be the players or the support staff, um, you know, whether they be different coaches. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that. Like I told you, I'm, I'm outside and I no, live I off a pretty anything. busy road, and so yeah. people, are, people are bumping tracks. Um, but um, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, it's a different, fun world to be a part of. I, I don't know. I, does that answer your question? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we had. Um, I don't know if you listened to Lamar Carter a couple weeks ago. Or a couple weeks. I say a couple weeks. I always say a couple weeks. It's probably been and then it's a like couple six months. months ago. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, I think a lot of Midwestern people do that, where they're like, the other day, and it Dude, was I'm like... Always, I'm always like, yeah, that was like a year or two ago, and then it was like five years ago. That's right. <laughs> but um, we had Lamar on. We, we kind of talked with him about the same thing, what, what his yeah. kind of fascination has been like with that. Um, and it's kind of the finesse of the game, I would say. It, it, like, yeah. they say the same thing about women's golf. If you want to watch, like, fancy stuff, watch men's golf. But if you want to watch form and stuff... Women's golf is where it's at. So I, I think it's on the same line, right? Yeah, I'd, I would 100% agree with that. Um, I would say the same thing about women's lacrosse, too. Oh, yeah. Like I, So I grew up playing lacrosse, and when I would go watch our women's team in high school, they know how to cradle so much better than dudes because mm. dudes just have a pocket. And, like, you know, the rules have changed since, uh, since I played, but – they would just have, oh, yeah. you know, a gigantic deep pocket and they don't even have to cradle, you know, but the, but the women just have insane cradling skills. They're just, they're really good fundamentally. And I think that's the same thing that I like about women's basketball. Um, and, uh, when I think it was two years ago or three years ago, uh, there was a profile piece on Gina Oriema yeah. and, uh, like, you know, what he's been able to do at UConn and. That's kind of how they were able to – I mean, that's how they have such a crazy support group is they've sold, like, this is basketball. Like, there's not people, like, driving to the rack and fouling mm-hmm. um, every five seconds. You know, I, I, um, <laughs> like, a little side story. So I ran a half marathon last week. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that. <laughs> and while I, was, while I was training for it, uh, the, the, the weather here in Texas was – um, true Texas weather and it was like on and off. So sometimes I'd run outside and then sometimes I'd have to do my long runs inside on a treadmill. Well, on Gross. the long runs, I would watch college basketball because you know, a game is going to last like right. three and a half That's hours. That's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it took me, I think I ran, it was Georgetown. Shoot. Who was it? Georgetown Villanova. And I think I ran like close to six miles by the time the first half ended yeah it's like that's that was 20 minutes of runtime and i just ran six miles (laughs) like that took well over an hour Mm. um and it just it that doesn't happen in women's basketball Mm. um and so a long roundabout way of answering your question that's that's another thing that i like about it it's just i just feel like the game flows and it flows really well (coughs) excuse me but um, my, my family and I made it kind of a priority to watch the, uh, the women's final four actually. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's kind of like evolving and changing a little bit with, with, yep. as far as the, um, the kind of coverage and, and the stuff. I can't say the same for the Minnesota Lynx and I'm sorry for the Minnesota Lynx, what they got <laughs> on ESPN, but, um, so what would you like people to know about it? I know with, especially with Lamar, we talked about the social media and everything, how people just like to dog on it because you know how people like to be tough on social media. Yeah, that's one thing me and my <laughs> me and my social media manager, um, and she's not my social media manager, but our social media manager, uh-huh. uh, we always like to joke because, you know, through our uh, mo- media monitoring service, I get like all the tweets that have, uh, you know, I have key phrases that I get sent. And so every morning I wake up with an email and while like I'm getting ready or, you know, my first 30 minutes at work, I try to, you know, I go through our clips. Um, I see what people are saying about us. Uh-huh. I, I try to categorize it They're through the service that we use. I categorize it into positive, negative, or like neutral. Um, and there's some people that just, 
need to get off the internet That's and they right. just say the dumbest stuff and we kind of have like a a quote wall for dumb stuff oh yeah um yeah at, at the our social media manager has um <laughs> as a like a dumb quote wall and we send her stupid tweets that people reply to us are you allowed um, we, to um are you allowed to say any of those tweets uh no there you could probably go find them in, uh, in our mentions they're they're very inappropriate um but it's just people being dumb and yeah. we just think it's funny how dumb people are um there definitely is um The coverage is getting better, yeah. like you said, but it's still not there. Um, you know, I have one beat writer. I mean, I, ha- I have more people, but from like a traditional news organization, I only have one beat writer. Um, For pro sports have, team. Yes. Now, there's a lot of other ones. Yeah. There's a lot of other people, but they're not like traditional what you'd say traditional media now in i feel like a a old person saying like in the social media age anybody can be a a writer writer. yeah and like really can there's there's some people um there's some people like high post hoops does some really awesome stuff wnba insider does some really awesome stuff Mm. but that's i mean obviously like we credential those people and we love everything that they do but one wouldn't really consider them traditional media. Like there's some people in the NBA, like when I worked for the Hornets, we did not credential anybody that wasn't like a newspaper or a, right. uh, like no blogs, no blogs. Um, now there's some different organizations in the NBA that do credential blogs. Like I know the Utah jazz do. Um, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's getting there, mm. and I think it. There, I don't know. There's just there's only, uh, I don't know. It can only go up. Right. I think to to put to to put a positive PR spin on it. Right. Um, but uh, the league is definitely doing some things uh, as a whole. Um, they just uh, you know released a new logo. Um, they're kind of right. uh, going through a little bit of a rebrand mm. um, and kind of a refresh. Um, that I think is really going to push the league in a, uh, a really awesome, really cool direction. Yeah, I, I, I know that the uh, SEC Media Days, uh, they credential some bloggers too. And I, I think that's kind of come around. Why do you think people are kind of hesitant to do that? Um, I think that the communications profession as a whole is really resistant to change Mm. um which is really funny because communications is like the most cutting edge thing right supposed to yeah but you know every time the ap style like you know ap style changes and people are like oh you know all hell's breaking loose now we're (laughs) spelling out states we're spelling out california that's right every reference what's the world coming to um but you know things have just been done one way for so long, you know, and, and the way of getting news out was, you know, like you had a reporter who turned into a, who turned a story into an editor, the editor edited it, it, you know, it went to layout, it was designed, mm-hmm. you know, do you make sure you had, you know, your, your, your copy was straight, your artwork was straight and your design, your, you know, your layout was straight and then it got printed, you know, and then you read about it the next day. Um, now, you know, if, if, you know, if my recap isn't up 
within, you know, I try to shoot for 60 minutes after the final buzzer. You know, if, if my recap isn't up, I consider it like late. It's like, oh, great. Right. You know, and, and you know, there was, uh, I remember when I was at Southern Miss, like our, a couple of our beat writers, like would have to turn in stories like halfway through the game. Right, yeah. Uh, That's the way it is here now. Uh, yeah. They cut down the uh, the deadline from 9 to 6. So, what? like, what are you going to do? You're, you can't get any gamers in there. And I mean, obviously the world has changed a little bit. And people aren't reading gamers as much as they used to. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of, again, I feel like a, a guest speaker in my communications undergrad that, you know, just says, like, the cliche things. You know, like, yeah. they walk in, and it's, and it's 2011, and... The guest speaker is like, now who's on Twitter? Good. Good. That's where this thing's going. Yeah. Because um, I just feel like I'm saying all this old man communications <laughs> stuff. And my dad's a communications professor. Um, so I also feel like I'm doing an impression of him when I'm talking about all this change stuff. Um, but, you know, it's it's changing and, you know, the way we consume things has totally changed. You kind of alluded to your background here a little bit, and that's something I kind of want to backpedal a little uh, yeah, too. Sure. So your dad is a communications guy. Um, yeah. You're wearing a Michigan State hat, but you went to BYU. I mean, yeah. explain sports for you growing up and, and your yeah. path in, into sports information initially. Yeah, so, I mean, it goes all the way back to when I was a little kid. I grew up <laughs> I grew up in Los Angeles, um, grew up around the L.A. Kings. Uh, my dad owned two print publications he owned one that was called hockey player magazine and he called one that was called gig um obviously hockey player magazine was all about hockey right um, whether it be you know actual recaps from games to gear reviews um to um uh sk- skating tips um you know how to improve your shot how to score more goals yada 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 right, right, right. and then gig was all about music and that's it's kind of my dad's two passions has been music and hockey and he always taught us, um, it's actually the name of his business is my dad always taught us to, to ride your hobby horse. And the name of my dad's business, um, is hobby horse productions. <laughs> um, and, um, so like I said, I grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, my dad's office was pretty close to the isoplex, which is where the LA Kings practiced. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know like how my dad is a media member brought his kid to practice but like i remember going to or maybe i only did it once but um my dad uh would i like i would go to king's practice as a kid um and my dad got really close with the king's organization you know when a couple of players got traded like when luke robitaille got traded um he uh like my family got invited to the going away party um but um you know in in 1993 I would tool around my backyard with uh, my hockey stick that my dad had cut for me. At the time, I'm you know I'm three years old, um, but my first words were "He shoots, he scores," um, and you know I I thought I was like you know Marty McSorley and Wayne Gretzky and Kelly Rudy and uh, and Luke Robitaille and all those guys at the LA Kings. But you know we beat the freaking Canadians in the finals. Um, you know in, in my backyard we won the we won the Stanley Cup, um, yeah. and so then. Um, my dad decided, um, again, this is going to be a super long story, but, uh, my dad was, my dad, uh, like I said, he was, he was a journalist, um, before starting his own publications, but my dad's arms like blew up. 
um, and he got like severe tennis elbow. He's got the gnarliest scars on both sides of his arms from the surgery. Hmm. And, you know, back in the late eighties, it was like, okay, what profession doesn't use computers? Okay. Uh, college professors don't. Yeah. So, uh, my dad, let's see, my dad got his undergrad in like 82, I think. And so, uh, almost 10 years later, he, uh, went and got his master's from Pepperdine. And then uh, when he, after he got his master's, uh, we moved to Michigan, and my dad got his PhD at Michigan State. Oh, okay. Um, and in both places, in California and in Michigan, we were, my dad was running these, uh, the two publications. Um, and then my dad started working for Gannett, um, which, uh, you know, obviously they own USA Today and a lot of other papers. And um, so... Um, I grew up around Michigan State and going to campus all the time. Um, The 2000 team that won the national championship, um, you know, those guys were my idol. The Flintstones were my idol. Like Mateen Mateen Cleaves follows me on Twitter. And the day that he followed me on Twitter, I freaked out. I like... (laughs) I was like, I ran to my wife and I was like, honey, look, my team Cleese follows me on Twitter. Uh, and she was like, cool, who cares? You're a grown man. Why That's you right. <laughs> An older grown man follows you on Twitter. I was like, no, you don't understand. This is my team this Cleese. Is deal, yeah. Um, you know, but they won the national championship while I lived there. We had season tickets um, for uh, Michigan State Hockey, which uh, they had a lot of success while we lived there too. Um, and, uh, you know, I just grew up around communications and sports. Um, and so then, uh, eventually, uh, my dad, uh, got a new job and my dad taught at BYU. Um, and so we moved to Utah, um, when I was like 11 or 12. Um, and, uh, I grew up there and, um, you know, played a bunch of sports. Um, also did, um, grew up skateboarding. Um, and, um, then when I, when I went to BYU, I was like, I'm going to start my own business and be an entrepreneur. And then I went inside the business school and I was like, nope, these uh, no, guys yeah. <laughs> are a bunch of tools. And now that's no knock. Like BYU has got a really awesome business school. Um, but I just, I just didn't fit in. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I was just like resistant cause I, I look a heck of a lot like my dad. I think I've shown you photos of my family. But I like, saw you guys in the half marathon. Didn't know which was you. At first, like, to be honest. <laughs> well, and, that, and see, and, the, and those were just my those were just my brothers. Those right. um, oh, well, yeah. damn. Okay. Yeah, like me and my dad. When, <laughs> when I meet when I meet friends of my dad's, they're like, "Oh my gosh, you look like a spinning image of Quint." Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know what it was, but I was just like resistant of becoming my dad for some reason. Right. And so I was like, "Nope, I'm not going to do communications. Not I'm going to I'm not going to do communications. Not going to touch it." And yeah. so like, yeah, I did like a year and a half of at BYU and then I went on a two-year mission for my church. And then when I came home, I was like, you know, I thought I was going to go to med school. And hmm. so like I started taking all the med school prereqs and I took bio 130 and on my first test I got a 33% on it. And I was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe med school isn't for me. Yeah. Why did you? What was your goal with med school? I mean, what what was your outlook like then? I don't know. For a hot eight months, I wanted to be an optometrist. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's quite the turnaround, I would say. Yeah. So then um, I decided to take Comms One Hundred and One, and I took Comms One Hundred and One, and I was like, Hey, 
I am good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually started doing really good in school, which before I hadn't, I was getting like right. prereqs. And, and that's the thing, your first, you know, year or two of college, when you're taking prereqs, you're just kind of just floating. You don't care. But like, yeah, yeah you don't care. And they, like, once I found my groove in communications, I was like, dude, this is, this is it. So, um, found my groove in communications, um, I actually first started, I was a political beat reporter, um, for the school newspaper. And I would take, I, I was, I would take the train from Provo to Salt Lake, which is about an hour train ride, um, uh, three days a week, um, to go cover the state legislature. And I covered what committee meetings I wasn't like assigned different committees that I would go to, but somehow I ended up being like the rural County reporter. Um, and I was always doing like covering bills, um, that had to do with like, um, like federal government, uh, you know, trying to take, uh, land down in Southern Utah. Right, yeah. Um, there's this program called PILT, which is how a lot of counties get their money because if you have federal, uh, if you have a certain amount of federal land in your county, the federal government pays the county for it. Huh. And, um, you know, they were changing some of the, the yeah. amount of PILT and so some counties were going to lose like hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's like how these counties got by. I was doing stories about like rural cops writing tickets and like there was one senator that was trying to push a bill that was like, yeah, if you live in a rural county, cops don't have to submit the ticket for like 90 days until after it's given and anyhow. So uh, after that semester, um, I took this class that was called Backpack Journalism and it was all on producing stories, whether they be written, whether it be, uh, like videos, um, or whether it be pictures all from your phone. So like we would shoot stories and edit stories and post them all from our phone. It was really cool. It was an awesome class, but every story that I did for that class was somehow sports related. Um, yeah. Did you mean to do that or was this, that just kind of happened? Uh, I, it just kind of happened. It was just like the stuff that I was really interested in. So like, um, I've always like you, you and I have nerded out about our aesthetic or like our aesthetics in sports and how we love the aesthetics of sports. Right. So I was like, I want to do a story about BYU's alternate Royal uniforms or throwback uniforms. Yeah. So I called it, I, I, I called up the, the equipment manager. I was like, Hey, uh, can I come interview you for, um, for, uh, one of my journalism classes. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, sure. Come on. So I got like a tour of the locker of the, of the, of the locker room. But like the, I mean, I got a tour of the equipment room. Um, and then what else did I ended up doing stories on? I did a story on, you know, an indoor skate park that had just opened I'm trying to remember. Oh, um, uh, when, uh, nobody probably well, people probably know him cause he plays for the saints, but when Taysom Hill suffered his, his second season, ending injury uh-huh. uh the guy who replaced him uh his name's christian stewart i went to high school with him so uh-huh. i was like hey i know him i'll do a profile on him and so i did a profile on him um and it was front page i mean I, like uh, obviously our student newspaper wasn't like it's a student newspaper i thought it was really awesome because you know i worked there um yeah. but you know I, I did a story about him and then i ended up being the next semester 
um, I ended up being the sports desk editor and I was sports desk editor for a year and a half, I think. Um, and you know, like when I graduated, I like, I've never been really good at the X's and O's of sports. Yeah, me either. Super dumb. I'm a college football nerd. Have no idea about coverages and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I just, I'm like, and my, my brother-in-law, um, is like the, is like total, he can like break down stuff and it's, it's, it's nuts. But I'm like, yeah, it looks like they're playing man. That's right. He's like, he's like, this person's helping this person and they're switching here and they're running this set. But you know, they're doing this way when LeBron goes to his left and just like, wow, watch, watch what he's doing when he's dribbling it. And so like, I knew I would never cut it as a sports writer Uh because I don't have that. Like I can, I can find a story. So like, my game recaps were never, you know, about X's and O's. They're right. always some other story, other storyline that I found. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a really hard time being critical. I like, I really hate telling people that they're doing stuff wrong. Right. So, um, so I knew I wouldn't cut it as a sports reporter. So my goal when I graduated, like two years before I graduated, I wanted to write for Transworld Skateboarding. Like, I've always loved action sports. I've always loved skateboarding. I've been skateboarding since I was 13, Hmm. you know. And even though I'm an old man, I still try to go skate once a week. Um, I broke my leg a couple of years ago, so it's, like, it's not... It's not fun anymore. It's still fun, but, like, I'm not as good. Like, I'll go to the skate park, and there's just these skate rats that are just, like, doing amazing stuff. And And I'm like, oh, man. just get back in the car, yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And I just like do an ollie, or like I get stoked if I land one kickflip after I've been at the skate park for like an hour and a half. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like I said, I wanted to write for Transworld Skateboarding, and um, so uh, two years before I graduated, I needed to get an internship. Mm. And like I said, my dad's a comms professor at BYU. And uh, that's what my major was, was communications. And he was like, oh, I forgot. I have a student who works for the Utah Grizzlies. And I, I can't remember if I've told the story on, on the show before or not. Yeah, I remember but, Utah Grizzlies. Yeah, the Utah Grizzlies are the uh, – now they're the Colorado Avalanche, my, a double-A affiliate. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was there, they're the Anaheim Ducks minor league affiliate. But, like, I had – um, my dad had a former student who did community relations for the team. And so he was like, Hey, uh, my son's trying to get an internship. Is there any way that you can help him out? And he's like, yeah, send me your resume and I'll send it to our communications guy. So this was on a Wednesday that I went up for the interview. Uh Um, didn't know the guy, um, sat down, had an interview. Like I put like, I put my resume in a, like a portfolio folder. Right. Yeah. It's like one sheet of paper. I printed out a bunch of my clips and like, I put them in the portfolio folder too. And, um, at the time the VP of communications, his name was Adrian Denny. Um, and, uh, uh, so I gave him to Adrian and I was like, this is, and I just like, I was like, just scared during Uh the interview. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that was on Wednesday he liked me, gave me a call the next day, Thursday. And he's like, Hey, can you start Friday? And I was like, yeah. So I showed up at the arena and my first assignment was to go pick up the opposing team. (laughs) 
And so, uh, yeah, I went and picked up the opposing team, and then I uh-huh. sat up. I sat up the media room for the media meal, and then I laid out game notes and um, was just pretty much the VP of communications, who was also the uh, radio play-by-play guy. Uh-huh. Um, I was just his right-hand man, so I did everything. I did um, like stats and penalties, um, and so I'd go talk to the officials. Uh, get the official times and then bring it to him. And then they the opposing team had a broadcaster. I'd give, uh, do that. Uh-huh. Uh, I would like, you know, pick, we'd pick like, I pick the three stars, of the game, um, coordinate that I do all the interviews between periods and whatnot. And then, and then I was in charge of doing the post game media availability and making sure they, um, they got who they needed to, uh, let's see, I would transcribe quotes um, I would post, I wouldn't write the article. Sometimes I would write the, uh, I actually think I only wrote the recap maybe like three times, even, if even that, but like I would post the recap on the website. I'd post photos if there was a photo gallery. So that, that was kind of my first soiree into sports information. And then from there, I kind of like, I was there for a whole season and then I caught the bug and I was like, I gotta, I gotta find another internship. Right. Um, and so I ended up lucking out and getting a internship with the Washington Redskins and then I ended up lucking out even more, um, and I got an internship with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, went back for my final semester at BYU, graduated, applied for about eighty jobs, uh-huh. and then I landed as a graduate assistant at Southern Miss. Um, and then since then, I've worked at SMU, uh, Little Rock, uh, and now with the Wings. Yeah. So you kind of gave us a, a bit of a. Uh, an accelerated version of all the places that you've been, but yeah. um, boil down kind of those experiences, especially with um, breaking into the sport communication field. I mean, what was it like? I mean, what were some dues that you had with the Redskins? I remember you had internships with the Redskins and, and yeah. the Hornets and places like that, but um, mm-hmm. how are, how has your role evolved over those internships and experiences? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's all started out very basic. Like at the Redskins, we, um, we're the ones, obviously, with a big organization like that, a big market like that, you have tons of people that are covering the team. Uh-huh. And so every morning in our meeting, it'd be like, okay, we have, you know, these 20 interviews that need to get done with these, you know, sometimes it's 20 players, sometimes it's 10 players. But it's like, okay, you, Sterling, you are assigned these three players after this section of practice, or if, like, it was a walkthrough, and, like, you go get them and you take them to these different interviews that they need to go to. Um then it was just it was just just making sure the media had what they needed, um, mm-hmm. making sure the media room had like notes and quotes. It was transcribing stuff. Um, what else was it doing? <laughs> making sure people weren't filming when they weren't supposed to. Um, you know, uh, HBO came and did hard knocks with the huh. Texans. They had a joint practice with the Texans, and that was when the Texans were on hard knocks. Huh. And so it was like making sure that HBO got what they needed. Uh, ESPN came and did Sports Center on the Road, and like making sure that they got what they needed. Um, I, and it's just like a summation of our job in the athletic communications industry. It's just like making sure that media has what they need. Um, and uh, sometimes you do a lot to do that, and you know sometimes so, yeah. you do a, a little. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else. Um, I'll I, tell I you. Um, I'll tell you this story, and I think yeah. I've told people uh, a little while ago. We have uh, our student newspaper, who has had uh, quite a bit of sport editor tor- or like turnover. 
and everything. Okay. They, they just can't seem to find a sport <laughs> editor for more than a couple months. All right. Okay. Girl comes in one day, and she asks, uh, "Do you guys have a website?" Yes. Do you know how to use the internet? That would be, and then, um, it's been like that. It's been just an ever-evolving sort of thing, and that's kind of the, the, being a small Division two school, that's how we've kind of dealt with the media, but we made the, uh, we actually made the, I don't know if I told you this, I don't know if you've been paying attention at all, but we made the uh, NCAA Division two Final Four. Yeah, did I not, I guess I just texted Tyson, because you guys played Tyson school. Yeah, Tyson wasn't even there. So yeah, he didn't even like... go, that bum. I hope he hears this. What a bum. He said his graduate assistant. That's right. Tyson, Tyson, you bum. And you know, I, I, Tyson, I, I'm going to lead into the microphone so Sterling can hear, but I know everybody else, I'm not, I don't have my microphone hooked up to this track, but... Um, after actually after the uh, the game where because we were hometown, yeah. like our arena is six miles you, you, away from campus. Yeah, you okay. So we and had you guys were hosting too. We were hosting, so we're not in the top twenty five all year long. We could beat Bellarmine on the road, the the number one team in the nation. We could do that twice and then still lose to a team like Truman State on a random <laughs> Thursday night. So that was our kind of team, and I, and I love them to death. But um, we weren't supposed to be there, you know. You know, we were we were not. We were supposed to be like a one and done. You know, I was I was just happy we beat Ashland. That's what it was. Yep. But yep. after the game, the West Texas, I was doing the post game press conference, and okay. you know the losing team comes in first, and then the winning yep. team. Yep. So West Texas came in first, and um, they, you know, we had we broke an attendance record for the Elite Eight because cool. we, we had our whole campus. Uh, on the site. So okay. they asked the West Texas coach, like, did you ever feel a moment where you were out of the game? And he goes, yeah, right at the very beginning. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, I was just like, I was like, yeah, that was like, you know, it's hard to cheer during those things. It's very, I, I know that everybody else has, has felt this before when there's like a big moment happening, you know, especially with a storyline like the, like the team that we had. We yeah. were supposed to be there, and we were yeah. winning an Elite Eight game. Like, it, it was very hard. I, I loved every second of that. But, yeah, Tyson, how dare you? I was ex- I was excited for you to come, but you never showed up. Shout out. Shout out to Tyson Jex. That's they, right. Yeah, though, we, I give him a hard time. His wife, they did just have their second kid, so. Yeah. yeah. Shout, hey, speaking out, of shout which, out to him. Speaking of which, um, I wanted to talk to you about, about something that a lot of people might be going through here coming up um, this summer, this spring, summer. I don't know what sure. season it is anymore. Um, <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. Is. Yeah. If you can't tell by the sound of my voice, that's exactly what's going on. But um, you actually took the Southern Miss job as a GA and had a kid. Yeah. So what uh-huh. was that balancing like for you uh, that early on in your career? Yeah. Um, at the beginning, I thought it was super hard. Um, but then you just get to the – like. The, the, I, I, I thought it was super hard. Yeah. At the very beginning, but it it wasn't, and it didn't need to be. So probably for the first six months, I made it harder than it needed to be, and I thought I needed to be at the beckoning call of every email and every text message and mm. every everything. Um, but then, um, 
I don't know. I think it was like I went to Cosida, uh, where we, when you and I met for the first time, mm-hmm. and like maybe leading up to that, but just like the different uh, Sida chats and and YP sports chats and things like that. Just learning from other people and going like I don't like I don't need to be at the beckoning whim of everyone. Like exactly, yeah, uh, like a lot of this stuff can wait till tomorrow. Like unless coach calls me and her hair is on fire and she needs stats from Louisiana tech this very second. Sure. I will do it. But if it's something that can wait, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to make a wait. And, um, you know, I, I think I've, I've really tried to, to do that, um, throughout my career is that like when I'm, I'm home, I'm home. Obviously it's, it's, it's different with, you know, if you cover sports like track and and you track or golf. And that, that was the one thing, um, that was sometimes it was, it was really hard because golf, the golf meet, the golf tournaments always ended at like five, like the round would be over Uh like while I was still at work, but then stuff wouldn't get finalized until later. And so like, it'd be like five 45. My son is obviously still awake. And I would have to like lock myself in my room and he'd be like banging on the door. Yeah. Like just wanting me to come play with him. But it's like, I'm almost done. And so, you know, I'd be able to pound that out really quick in, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. But um, I don't know. To sum it up again, it was, I made it a lot harder than it actually is. Yeah. And that's kind of the change that I think I, I've made, especially over the past year. Um, yeah. Because I did the same exact thing last year. Tennis drove me insane with, with just the, the amount of, of requests and everything that they have. A Division two tennis team can't have this many requests, but um, it, it did, you know, clog up an artery for me. Yeah. And that's something that I just, just did not want to do. And yeah. um, so this year I had cross country, and, and you know, and I think a lot of people out there know, I'm a former cross country track guy. I still yep. love it to death. I follow it still very closely. I follow track still very closely. Um, I didn't want to be pissed off at track and field. Yeah. And so um, I kind of like made a priority checklist type of thing in my head. I was like, with this track, it gets done what? I get results of what? Six o'clock at night? Sunday morning. I get up early. I make pancakes. I take my sweet ass time getting there. And, and that's kind of been especially for me, it's helped a lot. And, and, and I know that I've taken steps to kind of draw my attention away from my phone. I don't have push notifications anymore and I'm still oh, really? alive. Yeah. And I'm still alive. Like I don't have, I, I think the only ones I have are my email, certain emails, um, and some survey thing that gives you money for answering a survey. But other than that, um, I, I disabled all those. And, and yeah. I think you're absolutely right when, People burn out so much quickly when, when they don't take proper steps. And um, especially in your scenario, in your situation, you had a child. Um, have another one now. Um, yep, got dose. Yeah, you got two of those now. So um, I think it's cr- critically important. I also want to go on the record. Called your son's birth date. You did. That's right. You did. You did. 
because it's you guys share a birthday, don't you? That's right. And I texted you. Yeah. I think the, the, the next couple of days, and I was like, your your son made the right choice <laughs> coming into the world August seventeenth. So, dude, that okay? Did I tell you the story about me almost missing his birth because I was at a game? No, tell me about it. <laughs> okay, so um, at the time I'm working for SMU and I'm working game days for the Wings. Yeah. And um, last game. No, second to last game of the season, but last home game. And this game, if we win, we make it into the playoffs. So it's like a hyper important game. Oh. So I get to this. I think I get to the arena, you know, two hours, two and a half hours early. And um, you know, Jenna wasn't due for like another week or so, um, and there weren't any indications that you know, she was going to be early. Yeah. Um, I think she was actually late with our, with, with our first. Mm. Um, but, um, so I'm at, I'm at the game. Uh, Jenna texts me and, uh, the internet at the arena is kind of spotty. Um, and so like, I'm getting these text messages, but I'm getting them like 20, you know, 15, 20 minutes later than uh, like they're being sent. And like Jenna's trying to call me and like stuff is just not through. going through. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, ah, like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like, I don't think I'm in labor, but like I'm in a little bit of pain and, um, you know, I'm just, I'm taking it easy, yada, yada, yada. And then my mother-in-law texts me and she's like, okay, get over like, here. I think it's serious. But like, again, I'm getting these texts delayed. So then I think Jenna called me and she was like, okay, it's go time. And so I turned, I was on the scores table and we, we laugh about this. I turned and I was like, um, I'm going to go have a baby. I got to go. <laughs> so I got up from the scores table, left, zoomed home. The arena is about 30 minutes from where we were living then, the, uh, where we were living at that time. Uh-huh. Zoomed home picked jenna up she's like laying down on the floor because she's in so much pain we get her in the car no joke i'm going like 90 95 on the freeway make it to the hospital in 20 minutes gus was born like 25 minutes later after we got to the hospital he was ready to go dude he was he was ready (laughs) yeah that's insane like oh man i think somebody else had, had a similar situation but i couldn't imagine you know they really need to make like Wi-Fi spots at arenas, you know, that would help that situation out a lot. I'm sure you're not the first person that's gone through that. And maybe there are some people out there that actually missed their child's birth because of, of being at a game. Did you see the um, video going around on Twitter? A guy's at a soccer game and he's got cartoons on his phone and his, and his child is like sitting in the seat behind him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that, I was like, that's me as a dad, but um, nope, you know, he's, you know, he's not supposed to be there. Right, he's supposed to like he's supposed to be with his daughter all day long. He's not supposed to be at that stadium. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah. Um, so he, let's talk a little bit. And if you're not comfortable talking about this, that's okay. You had quite the kind of turnover um, during the summer, and I know we talked about yep. this a little bit off there. Uh, you kind of kept it close to the chest that you were at SMU. And then you got the job at UALR, and then now you're back here. So kind of detail what life was like. What was it, like a few short months maybe, even less? Yeah, 
dude, it was it was really frustrating um, because after I finished at Southern Miss, um, and it's it's hard to be a graduate assistant, um, like and sometimes focus on the now and not focus on the the the, the future. Yeah. Because you're like, I'm only gonna be here for two years. Like, I like it's I'm inevitable. Yeah. Constantly thinking of my next my next gig and like up until that point, I hadn't really been anywhere longer than a, like a year. And so, like, I was always thinking of, like, where's the next spot going to be? Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, talking with people at Cosida and, and whatever, I, I thought I was going to be super prepared and I would get a job, like, instantly after, after, yeah, after, after graduation. And so, um, I graduated in May. Me and my wife went to Europe for a little over two weeks, um, as kind of like, uh, okay, now it's time to be adults. We're having a second kid. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to get a real job, you know, yada, yada, yada is our, like kind of our last hurrah. And <laughs> I actually had an interview while I was in, while I was in Europe. Um, okay. I had a phone, fo- I had a phone interview. Like I was taking phone interviews while I was in Europe, like having to do like the time difference. Um, um, but, uh, I, swear i was like the uh you know what's that saying like uh always the bridesmaid never the bride you're good (laughs) um i just felt like i was always the bridesmaid and never the bride with every job that i applied for Mm -hmm. i was like the final like i was like one of the three finalists for it but just like never got a job so then that was in may and then i'm just like twiddling around at home Mm. until like July when I had applied for a position at SMU that they ended up not, um, uh, I applied for a position at SMU that they ended up not like I got an interview for. And then they're like, Hey, sorry, we went with a different candidate. But then a couple months later they called me and they're like, Hey, we just had someone leave. Do you want to come work for us? And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, Um, it was hourly paid. It was, um, you know, I could get paid overtime and I was secondary contact for men's basketball. And then I was the main contact for men's and women's golf, which was like right up my alley. It was the same, almost the same sports that I was doing at Southern Miss. Um, and, oh, and I was doing men's soccer. Um, and, um, I I loved it. Um, but I was also still applying for full-time gigs because, you know, I was getting paid like 10, 50 an hour and you can't be, um. I can't be a grown man and pay for a family in <laughs> 10, 50 yeah, an hour. Yeah. Um, so like, I didn't like tell anybody I was working there and I actually had an interview at a school and the director straight up asked me, he's like, so what are you doing at SMU? And I was like, how like, do you know? I, I, like I froze and I was like, Oh my gosh, how does he know about that? And I was like, oh, I'm not really doing much. I'm just, like, helping out with some, like, media guide stuff and, like, helping. And, I like, looking back on it, I just should have been, I just, like, should have been honest with him um, and just been like, yeah, you know, uh, this is the, the, the gig. It's, it's um, you know, it, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for a full-time gig, but mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing in, in the meantime. And, like, the, the staff at SMU, like, Herman and Lindsay um, are – incredible um like i learned so much from herman hudson 
while I was there, just like, um, how to run a department and how, especially website stuff like, dude, that guy is, I, I remember like with some content stuff, he was just like, why are you like, why are you working even more? Like if there's a release from the PG, so like I'm doing men's golf and SMU has a couple of guys on tour right now mm-hmm. and like Bryson uh, DeChambeau got named to the Ryder Cup team while I was there and it was just like just take the press release from the PGA and put it on our website or just like redirect it to their website you don't have to reinvent the wheel and write a different story right you know and I was like whoa like I never thought of that and then just like creating creating multiple like creating content yeah but not expending yourself even more so like with one with one soccer game i would have a recap um a photo gallery and you know i'd interview coach afterwards and all of those would be in my story but then he was like well why don't you put the photo gallery in as like the second story on men's soccer and then why don't you do the video with coach as the third story on men's soccer? And we were a sidearm school. So when you're clicking through, you have, you know, three or four different news stories from each recap, but they're all in the same place. Hmm. If, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this. I think you kind of are because we're a sidearm school too. So, you know, obviously the first story would be, hey, the recap we won. But then the second story, like I said, would be the photo gallery. And so yeah. it would take you to the photo gallery. Okay. And then the third one, you know, is cool with sidearm. You can directly play a video from the carousel. Yeah. And so I would set the coach's interview to be that third spot in the carousel. So, like I said, I just learned a lot of stuff from Herman. Um, and then I was still looking for um, a full-time gig. And... Um, uh, had, uh, there's a position at Little Rock that opened with women's basketball. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I got Like, I got to do this. And I, and I really missed not being, uh, with women's basketball and, uh, Little Rock has a really successful women's basketball program. And we had actually played them while I was at Southern Miss. We played each other in the WNIT. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so I applied for it and, uh, ended up, uh, you know, getting an interview and getting an on-campus interview and, me and my wife felt really good about it, and we took the job, and uh, you know, took the job when we were offered it, and went up there in in September, and it was awesome. Like I I loved it um, working with the team there and Coach Foley. Um, he's just like he's a legend, um, and uh, Coach Weedor and uh, Coach Dalimore, just like that whole staff, and and uh, and uh, just everybody there is is first class. And working with volleyball. Uh, Coach Van Compton has been coaching volleyball at Little Rock since like since the school opened, <laughs> and yeah. she's just like the nicest lady ever. Um, and I was working with coaches that like didn't care what I did because they they were successful in what they did, so they didn't care what I did. If that makes any sense, because yeah, they knew yeah. they knew that their success came from on the court, not you know making sure something got tweeted out. Um, so that was awesome. I got along great with my coworkers. Um, and then after we were there for a little bit, um, and you know, backpedaling a little bit, um, my wife, ever since I started working at the Redskins back in 2015, my wife had been working remotely. Um, and 
you know, we had just moved to Little Rock. We were there for like two months. And um, this job that she had been working for that had been awesome. And, you know, obviously, you know, we know we don't make a whole ton of money in sports, um, but they let her go. And it was like, oh, my gosh, what is going to happen? Um, you know, we were, we were getting along fine yeah. um, with with just my, you know, salary. Um, but it was just um, it was tough. You yeah. Know? Um, it was just it was really stressful. And then randomly out of the blue, I just I had this opportunity with um, with the wings come up and I was so scared to tell my boss. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I told him uh, and he was like, dude, you're you're doing what all of us would do. Um, so that that didn't make it any easier to leave. But I didn't feel as guilty for leaving because, you know, I'd only been at Little Rock for like not even not even four months. Hmm. Um, and and I had left and I came here to Dallas. Um, and so it was it was just crazy. But again, him saying like you're doing what any of us would have done um, really kind of uh, not gave me assurance, but definitely helped. Right. Um, yeah it definitely helped um, the process. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I think he kind of gave it, not really permission, but kind of whatever a synonym. Oh, he was, mad. He, like, he was mad. He was like, dude, you're, you're killing me. Now I'm going to, yeah. like, we're going to have, and, uh, not luckily, but he had hired two just kick-A GAs, uh-huh. and um, one of them, you know, the last two weeks that I had before I left, I trained him. Um, shout out to Jeff Rebello. Um, the guy's a champ. Uh, and the guy wins championships. He was the SID for a soccer team, and they won the conference championship. And then he took over for me, and they won the women's basketball team, won the conference championship, and went to the NCAA tournament. So um, He's a good luck charm. Dude, he's he a like, total good luck charm. He's yeah. doing baseball now, and baseball's killing it. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Sun Belt uh, this year because of, because of, uh, good old Jeff. But, um, you know, there were other people that, you know, picked up, had to pick up more work because I left. Um, but again, Rand, uh, Rand, that's, uh, the director at La Rock and, and Rand is awesome. Um, and, uh, I, I, I made it so much harder for him because I left and he had to pick up slack. Um, but he, I don't know. He, like I said, he told me you're doing the same thing that any of us would have done. And so that really, um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't make it easier, but it, and it didn't, I don't know. It didn't make it okay. I guess I'm having a hard time articulating, no, you're good. um, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is as a communications professional, um, I'm Sometimes, having a hard yeah. time, I'm yeah. having a hard time communicating, but, um, I don't know. It made it okay for me. I didn't feel as guilty um, for leaving. Now I still, I still felt again. I still felt bad, and I put him in a hard spot. But it all worked out, and everybody survived. Yeah, yeah. We're bumping up against time here a little bit. I got one Sweet. more question before I'd like to uh, advance yep. to some other questions that I think I've yep. asked you before. But um, go for it. Biggest differences that you have found between being in a professional organization versus being in a college organization, other than the obvious. Yeah. So. The way that I like to explain it, I don't know. At my high school, we offered two different versions of calculus. We offered uh, AB and BC. 
And I'm not a math guy. Not, not either am I, but yeah. this is the best way to explain it. AB covered a bunch of topics, but didn't go into them very deep, where BC didn't like cover a whole ton of topics, but went into them so deep. Yeah, okay. So I bring that up because at the collegiate level, it's very AB. Like, you're doing so much with a bunch of different sports. Like, you're a jack of all trades. Right. But here, like, I'm deep diving into everything, um, to everything basketball. Um, and that's a lot of fun. But sometimes I do miss just, like, breaking up the – I don't want to call it the monotony, but sometimes I miss, like, you know, being knee-deep in basketball and then being able to jump into golf for a little bit. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's – I think that's the biggest difference – um, that I've noticed is just like the concentration and, uh, you know, obviously with a professional organization, there's, you're only worried about that one professional organization. Um, you know, except for some where they own, you know, some WNBA teams are owned and operated by NBA teams, but they're, you know, they, you know, they still have separate staff, but for the most part, everybody's concentrated on one team, one plan, like one, one everything. Yeah. 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 Okay. That sounds fair. Um, I, I've asked you these questions before, and, and as yeah. I kind of mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, it's been about two years. So I think yeah. I just glanced through a little bit ago. I know I've closed Chrome since I'm not using Zencaster, but I think it'll be sidcast.fireside.fm slash, uh, it's in the 20s, I believe, is, is our uh, first ever uh, Cosida recap. Yeah. yeah. It was so, after Cosida, huh? Was uh, it like 29? Am I? Uh, not, no, 29, I know 29 because it was a guy from IU East. It might have been like, and I know it's not 25 because that's Jason. So it might be like, I think I took a break after Jason. I know I took a big break and then you were my first episode and then I never, I didn't take a break for like he, a year. Yeah, so David I, knows the episodes like he knows his children. That's right. And I think it was like 26 or 27. I think okay. like, that's right. I don't have any children. So right now the episodes are my children, <laughs> I guess. But um, favorite memory in your professional tenure? Um, I think I told the story. I was working for the Hornets. It was on media day. Uh, I was standing next to Kemba Walker. Uh, you know those like movie theater velvet ropes? Uh-huh. So uh, it was my boss, Kemba, and me. And I'm standing next to Kemba, and my boss goes, uh, Hey, Sterling, were you – like I had to go find Marvin Williams and like get him fitted for a tux. And so I was like, all right, I'm on it. And so there was these velvet ropes running down the tunnel. And I tried to jump over them. And like I said, I broke my leg a couple of years ago, so uh-huh. I don't have as much hop off my left leg as I used to. That's right. So my foot clipped the velvet rope. And you know they have, like, those metal stands? Uh-huh. I knocked over about 12 every, of, those. Every of them. Yeah. So Kemba's standing right there, and he turns and he looks at me, and he goes, yeah, listen, dude, I don't think this is going to work out between <laughs> us. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my favorite memory of my professional career so far. Uh, When I worked for the news, and I've got my Purdue credential about three feet away from me, um, Austin Appleby was Purdue's quarterback, and he was in, like, uh, what was that, Elite 11 show? Mm -hmm. I used used to, like, watch Elite 11. Now I just think it's stupid. But um, I was lost in Mackey Arena. (laughs) Just, like, walking around. I was just walking around wandering, you know, like, just – picking my nose and everything and then Austin Appleby's like walking down the hall and I'm like 
I'm like, where are you supposed to be? And he's like, this way. And I'm like, can I follow you? And he goes, yeah, sure, why not? So I just, like, chilled with Austin Appleby for, like, a good five, ten minutes before we actually got to the conference room. So that's, I think I'm in the same boat with you. Maybe not as embarrassing as, as, as yours, no offense, but, the, yeah. An, an, another one that was really fond um, for me, and this was this was just, like, before I started getting into, you know, media relations, but uh, in 2000. 14 or 2015, I got to co-cover the NCAA tournament because um, mm-hmm. BYU got in. And so me and two other student journalists um, <laughs> got to fly out to the play-in game. We lost, um, but it was just – it was so cool because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a big boy. I'm like, school's flying me out to cover this game. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I honestly still think to this day um, – oh, actually, okay – that was another fond memory. And then my first year at Southern Miss, we made a run in the season. Um, actually, this this is my favorite memory. Um, come beginning of February, uh, our head coach ended up getting diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was non-life-threatening. So she's like, okay, we're going to worry about this after the season. And we go on this tear. We win like, I think it was like 10 of 11. And then we go, we, we earn a bye into the NC, into the, um, the conference tournament. We go all the way to the championship game. Unfortunately, we lost. Um, but that run that we went on, it was just like, it was unstoppable. And there was just so many good storylines that came out that, that I was able to help get out. Um, you know, and part of it, coach, coach, you know, got some, some national pickup from, um, some from some outlets with her story because you know you have this coach that has lung cancer that's um, that's still coaching. Um, so that that actually is probably my most uh, fond uh, fond memory. Yeah, I would say so. She's probably like, I'll shrub some dirt on it. Let's let's finish this thing and then and then Dude, I'll take care of it. Coach McNally, she's the freaking best. That's right. Um, sounds like it. So uh, once one thing you're interested in to learn more about this profession. I think I said this last time because we talked, we talked about this. I, I, yeah, I actually think this is the last time, but I, I, I always want to get more into the, the whys of, of things. Um, and a little bit more of the hows of things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, like I have a, I have a friend, um, who does PR for, um, triple a baseball and him and i are always bouncing uh ideas off each other and i swear he always has like crazy situations that happen to him but i'm always like oh i've never thought of that situation what would i do in that situation it's minor league baseball Um, yeah 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 so i kind of i kind of always i like learning and talking to other people and not like disaster pr but like um i know another guy who did pr for the nats when they shut down steven strasburg like right before the playoffs and so I, I love picking his brain, like, how, like how'd you guys handle uh-huh. that? What do you do? Um, so I guess just unique circumstances. I like talking to people about unique circumstances and finding more about the whys of they did certain things and, and, and how they ended up doing them. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. You just got done. Uh, running the half marathon at uh, yeah. Disney is that it? So yep, what, yep, what was? That, yep. I know I talk a lot about like work life balance and everything, but um, 
how did you, uh, first of all, how'd you do? I know you've ran a couple of coastside of 5Ks, but, um, yeah. and second of all, how was the training and everything leading up to it? I mean, how'd you balance work with that? Yeah, uh, training was really easy. It doesn't get, the training for a half marathon, the training program that I had was really easy. Um, let's see, like the longest that I ran before the race was 12 miles, and that was two weeks before the race. Yeah, you're supposed to peak right then, yeah. Yeah, and mm. then it was like every other week was my long week. So, like, I did obviously two weeks before I did, or yeah, two weeks before I did 12, and then two weeks before that I did 11, and then yada, yada, yada. Right, right, right. Um, but it was really easy at the beginning because it didn't get long. It, like, it didn't get, I think I started training in like October or November. And it didn't start getting the runs didn't start getting crazy long till like the end of January where it's like, Ooh, how am I going to fit in running like six or seven or eight miles? But, or um, 12. Well, so those were on Saturdays. Oh, okay. Which, uh, uh, I would save all my long runs for Saturdays, which right now, um, during the off season, my Saturdays are, are open. And uh-huh. so obviously that'll change during the season. Um, but, um, it was just making sure, uh, you know, Sometimes I, you know, I got home late from work because I would just go straight to the gym and I'd run as soon as work ended or, or a couple of times I went and ran, uh, at my office has a gym. It's really, it's, hmm. it's really convenient and really nice, but sometimes I'd be like, okay, I can run five miles in about an hour. I'm just going to run five miles on my lunch break. Yeah. Um, and so I would do my run then. And so, and then it just became, it was just focused and being disciplined. That's how training went. And then it also really helped having my wife be like hey don't you need to go on your run he's like yes i do okay i'm gonna go yeah um but um i finished another three hours which um it was a little bit slower than my goal but um uh i beat my previous half marathon time by like 20 or 30 minutes oh well that's not bad at all (laughs) i mean you know i did the same thing in in high school and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this, and before I get into anything else about the training and everything, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a sophomore, I was a thirty-two hundred meter runner. Oh, so I was a two miler. I was running eight Freaking laps. We dope. had, we hosted a dual meet with one of the maybe top thirty, top forty teams in the state for cross country. Yeah. And they were coming to our track, so um, I was running up against these guys who had made state, who had broken several records at Seymour. Um, I was nowhere near their level. <laughs> to be to be quite frank. Yeah. And we were beating them head to head for the first time since like nineteen eighty something. With okay. our sprinting and everything. So um <laughs> no, all good. Down to you. And all, literally because it's the thirty two hundred and then the four by four. Our four by four was gonna win. We were gonna be just fine. It came down to thirty two hundred and it was me and like two other guys for us. And the two other guys, I loved them to death, but they were not up toward the front. Okay. So my coach comes to me and he's like, I need you to get second place. <laughs> second place and we win this thing. My previous best time before that was 10.55 for two miles, which <laughs> is, I mean, it's like, what, a 5.30 mile back to back? Yeah, no big, no big deal. So I, I, yeah, seriously. So um, I am hanging with these guys as long, as hard as I can. Yeah. And every part of my body is just it's locking just on fire. up. Yeah, it's on fire, locking up. Maybe with two laps to go, I start to fade a little bit. I end up getting my PR by 30 seconds, That's which awesome. is quite a bit. 
I got fourth. Oh, no. We didn't even win. Oh, no. And I was still, like, walking around mad because yeah, I had, no, like, lost. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, yeah. I guess the swim thrower thing. But and how do you – yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the thing with my race is, like, I kept my splits between – 11 and a half and 12 and a half, which was, I was uh, super happy with. Like I, I kept it consistent. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, a, and that's I, the best you can be. So that's what you have to run at pace or negative. And you did that. Yep. So I, yep. I mean, it's, and, a, it's a W and, and part of it, like I went with me, it was my two older brothers and my dad. And we kind of, we, you know, decided like, you know, Hey, let's go to Disney world and run a half marathon. <laughs> And, um, I remember like the night before the race, I told my brother, I was like, dude, my oldest brother, I was like, dude, I'm so nervous. He's like, dude, you're just running. Like, exactly. don't worry about it. And yeah. I was like, that's true. Like, I'm like, n- nothing's on the line here. Like, I'm just going to go have fun. So like I did that and, um, it was really awesome. How did you pick and how did you commit, uh, today, for example, um, I'll, I'll I'm going to write my first huddle post here next Tuesday. So okay. for anybody that's like, it, it's going to be basically about this stuff. Um, listening to the voice in your head. <laughs> I, I lost this morning and yeah. I listened to the voice in my head and I did not get up and I did not work out. Yeah. So I was like later today, I have a take home exam here on my couch. <laughs> I was doing that and I'm like, I need to get, I need to go do something. I'm going to go run yes. for the first time in weeks. Yes. So I, I ran a mile and I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to do something else. So I rode for a mile, like on the row machine. I was like, I'll do something else. So I went and worked on my core for maybe 20, 25 minutes. And I was like, okay, I still got some more in the tank. We got a rock climbing center here on campus. Okay. I love rock climbing. So I did that. I, you know, it gets to be around every time around the Boston Marathon where I'm just like, I just want to commit to running again. Yeah. It's, but, it, but it's like hard because I, I like doing all these other things. It's finding that. Yep. So what was it like kind of committing in the beginning? especially for something like that. I mean, had you ever gone 12 miles before? What was your mentality like? So before, so I ran a half marathon two years ago. Okay. Yeah, actually, uh, exactly two years ago. It was, it was April of 2017. Um, and the longest I had run before that, like up to the training, I did, I did not train at all. Yeah. Um, the longest I ran was like five miles, maybe four. Um, Mm -hmm. and the day of the race came and I ran five miles and then after five miles, I alternated between walking and running Uh for the rest of the race. And Mm -hmm. I like, dude, I, I, no joke was probably one of the last 50 finishers of the race. Um, like I didn't even get a picture in front of the backdrop because it was like taken down by the time I finished. Um, but, um, so uh, my brother, my oldest brother had brought it up and I was like, yep, let's do it. Hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I did it. It was, I mean, it was kind of part of it was like, I knew it was going to be, uh, you know, the race was fairly expensive. I think it was like 200 bucks for registration. And then, you know, I was going to have to pay 200 bucks for a flight there, Uh. you know, and then I was going to have to pay for a hotel there, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, Luck, luckily my brother works for Disney. So we got a really good discount on our hotel and uh, like all of our food was discounted and stuff, but still it was, it was, it was going to be expensive. And so that was part of the motivation too. It's like, I'm spending a lot of money to 
freaking run a half marathon. So, so I'm going to train down. for yeah. it and have fun. Um, so I don't know. I just did that. And um, it became – when my coworkers found out – because, like, I started while I was training. Uh, I started my new job while I was training. And so, like, I bring my workout clothes to work and, like, I – I would just carry my shoes and they'd be like, Oh, you going running? It's like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, are you a runner? I'm like, no, not really. I'm yeah. not a runner, but I enjoy running. Uh-huh. And so like my long runs, like they would suck, but I enjoyed doing the long runs because that was, you know, a couple hours that I got to just like, listen, I, I can't listen to music while I run anymore. Some, something happened to me like two years ago when I was training for my first one where, um, I could only listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So, and that's like, just like good thinking time for me. And I'm running them outside. There's a river by my house that has a trail on it. So I'm running along the river and it's, it's gorgeous. And, um, I don't know. I just, there's some switch just, in your head. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of do it. Now I haven't, I, I ran the race a little over a week ago and I haven't run since. Yeah. You're not I was going to, yeah, I was going to, I was going to run today. Um, but I was like, nah, but like I need to, cause you know, what do they say? It's like, it takes 14 days to start a habit and it um, takes 14 days to break a habit yeah, too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm coming up close on that. So I need to not not break that because i mean i think i'm probably in the best aerobic shape that i've ever been in like i can i can like just go run like i started walking during the race because i saw my brother and my brother was having a hard time and he was walking and i felt bad passing him so i stopped and i walked with him and we walked for a mile um but like that was not until like mile like nine and a half ten i can just i can just go pound out nine miles like no problem like no it's like it's no big deal it's it's the best feeling in the world it's crazy i I never would imagined um that i'd be able to that i that i'd be able to do that yeah yeah when i was training in college uh my long runs were 18 plus jeez yeah and it was two hours it took two hours to do but like i would kill to have to do that again because today i ran a mile i thought my knees were going to explode. And then I went and rode, and that made it, like, yeah. a little bit worse. But And yeah. then I rock climbed, which is also aerobic. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's, it's just different. You're supposed to actually, um, what we did, uh, and, I mean, you don't have to take this. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Because, but um, we took a week off. Okay. And then a week to do maybe three, four, five miles at the max. Yeah, that's what that was my plan. I was gonna do my. I was probably gonna do no more than, like, I think what did I say? I wrote it down. I think I wasn't gonna do more than seven miles in a week. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna do like three miles, and then maybe I was gonna do like two miles, and then I'd maybe do like a mile and a half. But okay. just, I just want to stay in it, keep it again. There's probably there's a. There's I will probably run another half marathon and I. Tops two years, but I want to do another one in a year. Okay. All right. Well, sounds great. It's it's always good for such people out there to have some goal, and and, oh, and sure. it helps to put down a two hundred dollar deposit. That might give it, you a kick. Do in it. The it does. It yeah. helps. So money, um, money's a great factor, a motivating factor. Uh, let's see here. I got a couple more questions, and I'll let you go. Um, go for it. I think I asked you this back when you had one son, but now you yeah. have two. What yeah, are you going to tell your kids yeah. about what you do? How are you going to describe it to them? 
Um, I help people tell stories. Okay. But I don't know. Quick I, 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 I feel like that's just the, the easiest way to, to tell people. I help people tell stories. Okay. All right. Well, perfect. Um, <laughs> next time someone's in the Dallas area and, and you're, I think, we talked a little bit off here. You're like a mile and a half away from Ranger Park. So if you're ever yeah. like in, yep. a, in the area for a Rangers game, where's the best place to eat? Oh, dude, there's a few. Um, but I would highly recommend going to the Twisted Root. Um, there's one, if you're ever going to a Cowboys or a Rangers game, there's one super close to the stadium. It's an awesome burger joint. Um, there's a couple in DFW. There's actually one in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. So if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, hit up Twisted Root. It's okay. a fantastic, fantastic burger joint. All right, and if uh, anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe have some follow-up questions for you, what would be the best way to do it? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, at Sterling Comms. Um, and all you listeners out there, if you're looking for a, uh, a position this summer, we are hiring for uh, a communications assistant for the 2019 WNBA season. So perfect. check, us out, check us out on Teamwork. I guess this isn't going to be a video podcast, so they couldn't see me raising my eyebrows. <laughs> no, probably no, not at all. But so I was I, raising my eyebrows. You yeah. should uh, come work with me if you enjoyed this. Uh, me rambling. That's right. Just search Dallas Wings on Teamwork. Pop yep. right up. So pop right up. Uh, Sterling, thank you very much for coming on such short Thanks, notice. Um, oh yeah, no problem. We, it was, I, uh, it's always good to talk. That's right. Exactly. So we very much appreciate it. Again, guys, I really appreciate you sticking with us each and every week as we are going to keep on marching on as we are approaching a hundred and a quarter. Well, the next week will be 118. That'll be with James Hajek. Hayek. I always say it wrong, James. I'm sorry. Of uh, Wyoming Cowboys, he just got that position out there in Laramie. Um, super excited talking to him. Uh, actually, Ster- I met Sterling and James at the same exact time in Orlando, so it's kind of ironic that they're going back to back like this um but nonetheless i'm really excited to catch up with james in the next week or two um and be able to kind of see what he's doing with his life with the cowboys um anyway guys do as the intro says follow us on social media at sports infocast sign up for our newsletter sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter it's like a Google form. It's like three questions. You, you've got time is what I'm saying. Also, leave us a rating and a review over on iTunes or wherever you get these podcasts. Um, anyway, guys, I want to thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode. <laughs>